0: This is Gareth Southgate and this is the Three Lions Podcast.
1: Hello there and welcome to episode 32 of the Three Lions Podcast. My name It's Russell Osborne. Thanks for tuning in and thank you for all the positive messages from the last episode regarding the women's achievement in the Under-20 World Cup. In fact, after we spoke, they went on to win the bronze medal, finishing third after beating France on penalties. So, well done to the girls going a step further than the men. Right. We've got a lot to cram into this episode. What were the two matches coming up in September? We'll also talk with Kunal Sapat about Wembley's Block 109 initiative and check back with Rich Laverty following the Lionesses' qualification to the World Cup in France next year. But let's start with the squad announcement for those games against Spain and Switzerland. Gareth Southgate released the 23-man team on Thursday the 30th of August. However, a few days before, both Jamie Vardy and Gary Cahill had announced their intention to step away from the international fold, unless called upon if there was an injuries crisis of sorts. Kind of covered their backs, really, haven't they? Now, I was always of the opinion that you shouldn't retire And your country should retire you. But I've never played international football. In fact, I've never played to any kind of standard. So really, what do I know? Perhaps that viewpoint is kind of dated. Players play a lot more these days. Training regimes are different. There's a lot of travelling for top flight players. So why shouldn't they decide when to stop playing? And as they generally say, spend more time with their families. I'd like to do the same, given the opportunity. Both players were in fact tipped to end their careers by bloggers englandfootball.blog and englandfootball.org recently. Uh, In fact, we'll talk squad in a moment, but let's take a look at both players in a bit more detail. Personally, Jamie Vardy didn't really surprise me. In fact, I think it's timed quite well what with the game at Leicester to bow out. Or, Or so I thought would be ideal as he hasn't been included in the squad, which I think is a bit of a shame. Could have been looked on as a waste of a place, but a half hour run out at Leicester? I think that would have been great. It's not often that we England fans have the opportunity to applaud particular players in the moment, is it? He's 31 now, and you must have had your head under a rock if you don't know his well documented rise to the top. Starts out at Halifax and Fleetwood, moves to Premier League side Leicester, wins Premier League with Leicester, and in that time wins his first of 26 caps for England. His debut came in the uh, the uneventful game away against the Republic of Ireland which I wouldn't blame you for not being able to recall. He scored seven times whilst wearing the three Lions although mostly in friendlies and who can forget that equaliser away in Germany in the 3-2 win and also the equaliser against Wales in 2016 in Lons during the Euros. Barkley's found Klein with a speedy burst, and that's terrific from Vardy! Oh, what a goal by Jamie Vardy! Everything he touches turns to gold. England on terms. Jamie Vardy's first international goal is memorable. Gary Cahill, perhaps, caught me a bit by surprise. Although in hindsight, perhaps it shouldn't have. I thought he still had something to offer and wouldn't be the sort to retire. However, he only appeared in the group game against Belgium during the summer, despite having 61 caps to his name. Harry Maguire seems to have forced him out and become Gareth Southgate's more favourable option. Cahill made his debut in a second-half substitute for Michael Dawson in 2010 in a 4-0 win over Bulgaria. He missed Euro 2012 with a broken jaw, but did feature in 2016 and played all three games in Brazil 2014. Scored five times for England, his first against Bulgaria in 2011 and his last against Nigeria in that Wembley-friendly before the trip to Russia. And Eric Dyer, who likes to make the runs towards the near post. There he goes. It's over
2: him. He's
3: headed in emphatically by Gary Cahill. A recall for Cahill into this squad. There were doubts about his World Cup place. That will
1: mean a huge amount to the Chelsea man. Well, you saw Gareth Steve on the bench so that squad, smile. in a nutshell, 18 players that went to Russia are retained whilst Ashley Young, Phil Jones, Nick Pope and as I mentioned Vardy and Cahill make way for the return of Manchester United's Luke Shaw, Liverpool pair of Joe Gomez and Adam Lallana and Burnley's James Tarkowski, and Alex McCarthy of Southampton. The rest of the squad is as follows, Jack Butland and Jordan Pickford in goal. Defenders, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Fabian Delph, Harry Maguire, Danny Rose, John Stones, Kieran Trippier, Kyle Walker. Midfielders, Dele Alli, Eric Dyer, Jordan Henderson, Jesse Lingard, Ruben Loftus-Cheek and forwards, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling and Danny Welbeck. On our Facebook page, Hugo Malin pointed out that there are certain players that haven't been picked and a player from the Championship, which is fair observation. I guess Gareth can't please everyone, be it fan or player. But my guess would be Butland of Stoke is already a regular squad member. Nearly into double figures, caps-wise. Just because he's in the Championship doesn't necessarily make him a negative selection, in my opinion. Realistically, his only competition is Tom Heaton of Burnley, who's in fact being kept out by Joe Hart, who I can't see coming back. Ben Foster at Watford. There's uh, Marcus Bettanini at Fulham, Ben Hammer at Huddersfield. Southampton's McCarthy is in fact keeping out both Fraser Forster and Angus Gunn. In fact, the Saints are the only club with an all-English goalkeeping line-up. As Southgate mentioned in his press conference regarding the whole squad, including keepers, our pool of players is in fact getting smaller and smaller and we can't rule out championship players i'm a bit disappointed that fulham's ryan sessignon didn't get mentioned went about his business in the championship last year and started this season okay going back to both bloggers both in fact mentioned james madison free caps for the under 21s and doing well at leicester following his move from norwich and theo walcott too who seems to have had a resurgence at everton but perhaps his england time is behind him Ross Barkley, finally been getting some time at Chelsea. I think maybe if he gets a little bit more in between now and next month, perhaps the next squad for the Nations League doubleheader. Maybe is time. Also, thought of Jadon Sancho at Dortmund, although with the, the Bundesliga only being a couple of weeks old, again, perhaps the next squad will be his in. Previous names have been banded about, including the Newcastle pair, John Joe Shelby and Jamal Lascelles, Neither have really been spoken about. Although I guess Newcastle's poor start to the season may have some impact on that. I like the return of Adam Lallana. Always seems to me to be a player who enjoys playing for England. I was gutted that he was just on the standby list for the summer, and delighted as well that he's kept faith with Raheem Sterling. I think it's time he he will show for England what he does for Man City. I think that we'll be looking at a starting eleven to face Spain, barring injuries. Similar to our semi-final team, Pickford in goal, back three of Stones, Maguire, Walker, although, I don't know, maybe replaced by Joe Gomez. Henderson sitting in front, four ahead of him, Deli Alley, Jesse Lingard, Adam Lallana replacing Ashley Young and Kieran Trippier on the right side. Sterling and Kane up front, we'll see. If you're interested in the nuts and bolts of the squad, it's represented by five from Tottenham, four from Manchester City, four from Liverpool, three from Manchester United and one each from Stoke, Burnley, Arsenal, Leicester, Chelsea, Southampton and Everton. Average age of 24.8, the youngest being Trent Alexander-Arnold and the oldest, Adam Lallana. Caps-wise, it's a squad with 472 caps between them. Jordan Henderson and Raheem Sterling both on 44 and Alex McCarthy is the only uncapped player. Right. Right. We've spoken about our squad, let's get the latest on our opposition and their squad. So we face Spain in our first ever Nations League match on the 8th of September. Our first competitive game at Wembley since facing Slovenia in October of last year. Now we've faced Spain on 25 occasions, winning 13, drawing 3 and losing 9. With This being a game with points at stake it's important that we do get off to a good start and add to that winning tally. The last time we played Spain was the 15th of November 2016 when we drew 2-2. A game you may remember where we made multiple second half substitutions, lost our shape and Spain scored two late goals through Aspas and Isco. We'd taken the lead... Through a Lalana penalty on nine minutes, and then Jamie Vardy scoring just after the break. The starting eleven that day was Hart in goal, back line of Klein, Stones, Cahill, Dyer, Rose, a midfield of Henderson, Lingard, Lalana, and Sterling and Vardy up front. Now let's hop over to Madrid and speak with Fernando Campello, who is a level two scout for the Professional Football Scouting Association over there in Spain. And hopefully you can tell us what to expect from the Spanish. Fernando.
3: Hello, Russell. Hola. Hola, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. <laughs> oh, you, you don't
1: know how hard it's been to uh, track down someone Spanish to, to speak to me. I think you've you've all gone shy after the World Cup.
3: <laughs> that's that's uh, a good reason. Yes, it was not uh, the best performances, and also the all the trouble uh, around the the thing and the and the FA. So <laughs> I uh, can understand. <laughs>
4: I,
1: I guess you're glad all that trouble is over now. Talk us talk us through it quickly. From from what, what happened?
3: Uh, what what happened was that uh, you know this uh, this that kind of agreement that the Spanish coach and the players don't talk to teams during the World Cup. And and then the Spanish coach, coach does, that just have uh, pro, uh, extended his contract decided to sign uh, for Real Madrid. And then, well, it was a, a mess because uh, there was a lot of discussions between Madrid and, and the FA. But in the end, uh, the new president of the Spanish uh, Federation decided to sack the manager just uh, one day before the World Cup. It was crazy. <laughs> So that was um Julian Lop- Lopetegi yes. Julian Lopetegi yes
1: um and then of course um Fernando Hierro came in and sort of held the fort didn't he was how was how did he come in
3: Oh uh, he was uh, he was already in the in the federation uh Yes, uh, he was the sporting director. So, uh, so he was like uh, the the man who was there. You you couldn't get any anybody from outside the team, you know, to to manage it. So, uh, well, uh, he did his best. <laughs>
1: u- ultimately, though, it wasn't wasn't good enough. Really, Spain that was one of their worst one of their worst World Cups in probably quite a while, isn't it?
3: Well, the the previous World Cup was also. Uh, uh, quite bad so yeah, we have uh, the same problems again like a lot of possession but uh, no no impact uh, you know the, no aggression so the the rivals could sit defend and and just wait
1: so here it goes after the world cup and and i i didn't actually notice uh, a new manager came in until until recently um luis enrique is now manager isn't he of the national team
3: Yes, uh, he was the best uh, option available. Uh, it's a kind of a controversial one because, uh, well, you know, Spain, there's a big uh, polarization. I don't know if that's a word in English. Like uh, two sides, uh, you know, Madrid and Barcelona. Uh, so, it's, uh, so, Luis Enrique was a player of Madrid and then moved to Barcelona when, when he was a player. And then uh, he was also a coach of Barcelona, a very successful one. So, uh, Madrid press, Madrid fans uh, don't like him, but uh, he was the best coach available, uh, no doubt for me. So, I'm happy he's the new national team coach.
1: So, you say Madrid fans. Do you do you specifically mean Real Madrid fans or Atletico yeah. as well? or oh, yeah. I,
3: I whole... mean Real Madrid fans and Real Madrid uh, press, you know, because here the the press is also very... Like uh, supporters of a team, sometimes you know. Is that uh, is
1: that marca? Is that the the Madrid paper?
3: Yeah, marca and us are, are the Madrid papers, and but uh, it's more like a journalist thing than than the newspapers. Indeed, you know the newspaper has uh, different journalists, and but uh, then and also the radio shows, the TV shows. There are mm, there uh there's a wave in Spain where a lot of journalists are are very focusing in a team and act like hooligans.
1: (laughs) Right. okay, But what about the rest of Spain? How do they feel?
3: Yeah, I think uh, I think it's, it's, it's okay. It's uh, a new beginning. Uh, we are full of hope because we, we know Luis Enrique did well at Barcelona. Uh, he he's a good manager. He's uh, very prepared. He has a good technical staff. So I think uh, we we are expecting a lot from this new beginning, and we expect uh, to come back to the to the best moments of Spain.
1: So we're we're speaking on Friday the thirty first of August, and over in Spain, that he's announced his first squad, hasn't he? Today, how how's that gone down? Who any surprises? Yeah,
3: there's there has been some surprises and a lot of criticism, but that's uh, always the same. When that's uh, that's football, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's it's the same every time. There's a new list. There are people saying this player should go, this player shouldn't. But uh, I think it's uh, it's a uh, Luis Enrique has uh, his ideas very clear, you know. So there are some surprises, like, for instance, uh, Jordi Alba is not in the in the squad, and 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 Luis Enrique had Jordi Alba in Barcelona. There are rumors that they didn't get on very well, so that could be one of the reasons. Uh, Also, Coque from Atletico Madrid is also out of the list, and then among the surprises, we can. We can say that uh, uh, Rodri from Atletico Madrid, a new player, uh, And Suso from AC Milan, also is uh, one of the biggest surprises in, in this list. Um, well, also Paul Lopez, uh, who was at the, the Spurs but didn't play a single match, I think, only from the for the reserves, is uh, the third oh, goal, goalkeeper of the of the list. I
1: see, I see, uh, and there's some big big spaces. In the national team now, isn't there? Because Iniesta and uh, Gerard Piqué both retired since the World Cup. Are they are they big boots to fill for these players? Is Luis Enrique going to have trouble there?
3: Yes, of course. Iniesta, Piquet and Silva are, uh, are key players, and now they are leave, they leave. They, we don't have players like that. Uh, indeed. Uh... In the case of uh, Piquet, Luis Enrique talked to him, trying to convince him to to come back to the national team, but uh, he rejected that option. So, well, we have the players we have now, the 23 players uh, for these matches, and they have to to grow, to improve, and to to make this team big again.
1: And not wanting to put too much emphasis on the the, the issues of of Madrid but is there going to be any oh, I've read a little bit here maybe a bit of need or a bit of trouble with Sergio Ramos and Luis Enrique is that an issue
3: today in the press conference there was a uh, was a journalist that tried to go that way uh, because uh, Luis Enrique didn't talk to Ramos before the the list so and he's the captain the so he tried to say that Luis Enrique didn't consider him important or something like that. And he said, no, oh, I consider him important. He's the, the most capped player. He's the his, uh, captain, of course, but I don't talk to players before the list. I will talk to him when he's here. No, so okay. I don't think there should be an issue. Uh, Ramos is a leader of the team. I suppose he will be a, he will be a starter. So uh, uh, there shouldn't be any problem.
1: Well let's let's get on to the game how how do you see the game against England going
3: Well uh, it's a, it's maybe a bit too soon for Spain to to start with the two big matches we have so uh, against uh, two national teams that now are better than Spain Probably so. Uh, so Luis Enrique is happy because he said it's a it's a good trial for him. <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, here there will be a lot of people waiting to see what happens, and if it go wrong, uh, he has a, he will have to face a lot of criticism. But uh, okay, I think uh, it's uh, I think Spain can do well. I think Spain uh, has a good squad. Uh, some new things to try uh, but uh, well I am confident that we can get a good result
1: How, What What do you think of the, the Nations League is, is it a good idea for you or, or you, for Spain?
3: Yeah well I didn't think much about it <laughs> I like the idea in general I I miss also the that's uh, maybe for the small nations I mean in Football-wise, uh, mm-hmm. it's a problem for them that they, they don't, they won't uh, play against good teams. So maybe it could uh, stop their development. But for big, big teams, uh, is good also for I suppose for TV revenue, all that stuff, uh, the business side. <laughs> so uh, well, as long as the teams uh, take it seriously, and I think they will, it would be nice for everybody.
1: Okay, well, um, we will. Uh, we shall see how that game goes. Thank you very much for joining us, and maybe we can speak um, when the return leg comes round in in the next month, if that's of okay. Course.
3: Of course, uh, yeah, it will be a pleasure.
1: If if anyone would like to speak Spanish football with you, are you open to that? Yes. Are you you're on Twitter. I see you.
3: Yes, uh, uh, it's Nieves N I I B E T S. Okay. I will uh,
1: I shall put a link to to that yes, on yes. our on our Twitter page. Um should anyone want to speak Spanish football with you Fernando, let's uh, let's hope for a good game and hopefully we can speak um ahead of the game in Seville.
3: Okay. It would be my um, pleasure. Thanks for having Thank me. You.
1: Now, three days after facing Spain, we take on Switzerland in a friendly. Tuesday the 11th up at Leicester. As I gave you the stats for Spain, here are the ones for the Swiss. Now, we've met 24 times, won 16, drawn five and lost three. Our most recent was the 8th of September 2015. 2-0 Will at Wembley in a Euro 2016 qualifier. Harry Kane coming on as a substitute for John Joe Shelby. He opened the score in. And then Wayne Rooney with a late penalty. Beside that day, Hart, Klein, Shaw, Smalling, Cahill, Milner, Delph, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Shelby, Sterling and Rooney. Now we're zigzagging all over Europe here. A while back, I got the lowdown on Swiss football with Oliver Zeisiger. Here is what we spoke about. Now, with the, the England-Switzerland game taking place, we're recording um, a little in advance of that game, but I'd like to welcome Swiss football expert and co-manager of the Football Manager PC game, Oliver Seisiger.
0: Hello, Russell. Um, hi, guys. Yeah, co-head researcher for Switzerland. with
1: football. Ah, I see. That, that's quite a high-up position, is it?
0: It's It's, it's good, yeah. I'm basically the boss for uh, for the highest Swiss league and under twenty ones and under eighteen. So uh, that's my position at football Manager.
1: I see. I've got to be honest. I, I I've never played the game. Computer games have, have not really been my my thing. So uh, you might have to educate me at some stage. No problem. No problem. <laughs> so um, Switzerland coming to Leicester next month um, for the the kick it out friendly. What's going on in Switzerland post-World Cup? A
0: lot, actually, and nothing on the pitch, to, to be fair. Um, there was a controversy with the Swiss Football Association during the World Cup. I mean, you, you certainly uh, saw the double eagle affair with Shakiri and Shaka. That caused problems. Then uh, our national manager, Vladimir Petkovic, refused to give a press conference after uh, going out against Sweden. Then uh, the general secretary of the Swiss Football Association uh, gave an interview in which he said, in which he doubted if Switzerland should still call up or uh, or use double double nationality players, or if those players who are who have double nationality, if they maybe have to give up one of their passports. And uh, subsequently, he was uh, let go, or he went by himself. Uh, and then there was uh, a little bit of uh, a scandal around Valon Berami and Vladimir Petkovic because Petkovic said that he won't call up Berami, Lichsteiner, um, Juru, Eddie Milson, Fernandez, and who else, for those games against Iceland and England. And Berami misunderstood it, probably, in my opinion. And was very angry on social media, gave an interview about, in Swiss TV and was very angry about uh, which he thought he was uh, basically pushed to retirement, which in the end probably wasn't true. But uh, there was a lot and nothing of it off, on the pitch. So uh, our problems right now are certainly in the association and not really uh, with the team.
1: I see. So I'm, I'm just going back to the... Shaka and Shakira. It's because they are their dual nationality, Albanian as well, isn't it?
0: Uh, Albania, Kosovo. Yes.
1: How how do the the Swiss public react to that? And what what was the reaction?
0: Um, in general, um, double nationalities are quite common here in Switzerland. We have a lot of foreigners um, moved then obtain after ten years obtained Swiss citizenship. So it's, it's very common. It began in the 70s with uh, Italian uh, immigrants, then Portuguese immigrants, and now it's the, due, due to a war in uh, Yugoslavia in the 90s. It's now uh, Albanian, Serbian, Croatian, Kosovan uh, uh, citizens, that, immigrants that come to Switzerland.
1: That uh, uh, it wasn't really how I was trying to get it. I was, I was, to be honest, I was probably more getting at the, the hand gestures. Was that, yeah. was that taken well by the public?
0: I wanted to give some context. I'm um, sorry. In general, uh, the public was understanding of the gesture because it was a high-pressure environment. Um, they were provoked by by the fans there. and general, they were understanding, but the most I've heard was I wish or the, the public wished that they were smarter, um, they were more composed, and they did do the, the gesture because that caused problems. Um, there was also a vocal minority who absolutely hated uh, the players for doing it. Um, you have in with, with every country those uh, you have in England as well with Raheem Sterling everything he does, it's, he gets criticised for it. So, uh, But it's, uh, with us it's a
1: vocal minority. right? So the World Cup gone, was that, or you say you went out round of 16 to Sweden and was that expected? Did the uh, did the public think that you would go further
0: before the World Cup? No, because there was always that uh, looming thought about having Germany in the round of the last sixteen. Because yeah, we kind of expected to become in second in the group, then uh, Germany to win their group, so we would have faced Germany. After Germany was eliminated and we got Sweden, there was the thought of this is the chance to advance to the quarterfinals. Um, probably won't come back as as quick as, as we hope um, and the game in it itself was very disappointing from a Swiss perspective um, and there was a lot of a lot of uh, frustration drinking going on uh, in Switzerland because yeah everybody thought this is the chance to advance and and uh, I think even the players had that thought in in their minds that uh, a game against Sweden, this is a game on pretty much on the same level. So uh, maybe even from a playing perspective, maybe even with a little advantage for Switzerland, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't to be. And there was uh, very 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 uh, disappointed people, very disappointed fans afterwards.
1: And since since then various players from various nations have retired. I haven't seen anyone from the from the Swiss side retire. The game against England, are we likely to see many of the, the players that played in the World Cup um, against England?
0: Yes and no. Um, Chelsea Fernandez, who played at Manchester City and uh, now at Frankfurt, has retired. Ah. Balon Berami, we don't know if he really has retired now or um, if he still is available to play. But uh, Petkovic has already said he won't call up Ligstein, Berami, uh, Giroud, Jemaili and because uh, and Fernandez, of course, because he wants to test new players. So um, there, won't be, uh, there will be players that have faced Sweden or that have played at the World Cup, but there, also, there will also be a lot of new faces because this is the time to test new players, not before the World Cup. Now it's a time to, to give the chance to the younger guys and Petkovic wants to take that chance.
1: So that's his his take on the squad for because you play Iceland, isn't it? Before you you yes. take on England, so he's not gonna he's not gonna take the likes of Lichtsteiner, who are, who's actually your well, I think he's one of the the most highest capped Swiss players at the moment, isn't he?
0: And he's the captain of the team.
1: Mm. So is is that controversial at the moment?
0: Um, it was controversial the the way uh, Petkovic handled it. Um, but from Lichtsteiner was was calm about it. He was understanding. He said he's still available to play for the national team, um, so it's. I don't think it's a problem now. It may have been for a few minutes, um, but uh, with with the way Petkovic handled it, but uh, I don't think uh, Steiner has a problem. He's thirty four. He knows that his international career is coming to an end slowly, but he's not ready to retire yet. So, but he's he said he's available and he has no problem with it.
1: I say I imagine that you will uh, you'll be putting more effort, maybe not so much effort, but the more stronger team into the game that will face Iceland before and we may see some fringe players, I guess, in the England game? Could be, could
0: be. Um, We have our two right backs from the World Cup. One, Michael Lang is injured and the other one, uh, Stefan Lichstein, was not called up. So we will certainly see a fresh face on that position. I think Kevin Mbappé will play both games, maybe even because uh, he's a very good player. Uh, Might remember him from his time at Newcastle. Um, he was a youngster there and played uh, several Premier League games. And now at age uh, 23, he's ready to to make the step to the international stage. I think you're right that uh, on some positions you will see um, younger players, inexpe- more exper- inexperienced players, than in the game
1: against Iceland. And you've got Belgium as well in that Nations League group. How, how do you see the Nations League? Is it something that Switzerland are going to take seriously?
0: I hope so. Um, I like the concept, to be honest, because uh, I don't like friendlies. Um, they're useless to me. Um, as someone who watches football a lot, um, they have no value. Um, maybe yeah, maybe to see a young player perform on an international stage, but that's all. Uh, I like that there's a certain competitive aspect with those National League games that you have a uh, possibility to qualify for the next Euros. And uh, it's, it's fine with me. And there's also that league system that you can win promotion or uh, be relegated from a group and then it gets harder to qualify for the Euros. Um,
1: I like I like that aspect as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree entirely. I think it's going to be a good thing going forward. So the, the game against England, how, how do you see that going?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't even know the squad yet. Um, there were some rumours be- uh, today that four players from Young Boys Burn were called up uh, for, who haven't played for the national team, I believe. So it's really a test. I expect England to win it. Uh, England still got a coming strong, off, uh, coming off a strong World Cup, Switzerland from an above-average World Cup. Let's say, let's say it like that. So I expect uh, England to win it. Maybe a two-one-three-one win for England.
1: Okay. So football manager on the the PC. Go on. What's what's the the deal there? I'm sure there's yeah. many people over here in England that know about it.
0: Yeah, the game's coming out on November fourth. Um, there is there are now uh, promotional videos out there. There's not much known as of right now, but uh, November fourth. Go out of you you can now uh, buy it on Steam for uh, with ten uh, percent less, I believe. Uh, pre purchase uh, pre purchase chance for you. Uh, so go uh, go out and buy the game
1: now. If if people would like to to talk Swiss football with you, are you open to that?
0: Oh of course, always always. um you can reach me on twitter at at a u l i t underscore z or just uh, look at my name Oliver sessiger on twitter
1: okay i'll uh, I'll put a link to that on our on our twitter account um and yeah, many thanks for joining us uh, on the three lines podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, Russell.
1: So England return to Wembley on Saturday the 8th of September when we face Spain and you may have noticed in recent times a bit more of an atmosphere around the place, especially behind one of the goals. It is an initiative uh, called Block 109 um, and here to talk about it and talk to us is uh, Kunal Sapat.
2: Hi. Hello there. Hi. No, nice to speak to you. Um... So, yeah, we're just a group of friends. Um, We sort of thought it will be nice to get a bit of atmosphere going at home games. We always see good atmospheres in the away matches when we go. Um, We thought it would be nice to bring that to Wembley and to the home games. Um, Obviously, Wembley being a bigger stadium, it's not always easier to get the same atmosphere we can get in the core of the away support we get when we go away. Um, But we thought it will be nice to get something at home. So, initially started as... A few of our, uh, myself and a few other mates uh, having a chat prior to one of the games last year, I think it was. um, And we thought, yeah, let's do something about it. So um, we contacted the FA um, and the England Supporters Club um, with our ideas that we want to do something both visually and vocally to try and get some bit of atmosphere at home games. So they were quite supportive, um, both FA and... um, Richard in particular at the England Supporters Club um, was quite welcoming of the idea and have supported us from what we've had planned. Initially, we thought of doing some banners. I don't, uh, some of you may have seen some of the banners before uh, coming out before some of the games. Um, one of them says the home of football and uh, one of them says uh, three lions. They were thought of in our group and someone within our group. There's a few of us, uh, I'd say about eight to 10 of us at the moment um, who've been sort of trying to get something going. Um, And one of them sort of came up with the designs and working with the England supporters club, we managed to get those out for a few of the games. And really we're still in the early stages at the moment. Um, What we want to try and do is get as many people involved as possible. People who are up for creating atmosphere, not just vocally, but as I said, visually as well, um, you see, in a lot of clubs, they have s- atmosphere sections in different different grounds where various initiatives are used. So we want to try and get that going for the England games, and um, it's not possible.
1: just not just sort of England games or, or um, like England Premier League or, or yeah. nation um, championship games. It's, it's across the uh, across the world, across Europe as well. Yeah, these, exactly, yeah. these sort of initiatives are, are taking place. Yeah, and, and it, it Spurs on the team is that the Is that the main sort of objective or?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, to get various initiatives, um, you know, we we want people who are interested to come forward to us um, with ideas and get involved. Um, Obviously, we're on Twitter um, at uh, Block 109. Um, We've set that up as our social media account um, at the moment. And to be honest, anyone who wants to get involved or has any ideas to just uh, come forward to us and, you know, going forward, hopefully we can create um more initiatives with regards to the atmosphere going forward.
1: And I, I generally sit front row, upper tier, above you guys um yeah. when I go and, and you can hear um you guys well or that particular block or that area really getting behind the <coughs> excuse me getting behind the team. Um I mean can it grow? Why why was it one oh nine?
2: Was it uh, well I mean well, behind the girl in the home. Well, the home and as they sell the, you know, the that side as the home and you know we thought home home end would be a good place to start. Uh, block 109, initially because for the last few years that's sort of been unofficially where people have been you know creating atmosphere from. So you know we, we thought of sticking to that area as a start. Um, but we're not limited to that area. We want it to spread across you know, the whole stadium or, you know, across different areas of the staging, um, you know, if possible. Um, it's just, we started with the home end, Um right. started, you know, to have a core end where, where sort of there's a, a bit of atmosphere, a bit of displays. I mean, like you see in many club football, although in European um, matches all over the world, as you were mentioning, you know, there's always sections where there's, you know, maybe displays, there may be like sort of the, atmosphere ends or whatever um so that's why we sort of picked one area to start with but you know that's just the start we we want it to spread and we want yeah. more people involved
1: I mean obviously from my English point of view and british point of view we can't have there's no there's like pyrotechnics ban and that sort of thing so it's it's banners and and vocal really is that what you yeah
2: exactly you're uh, for? banners um displays um and yeah v- vocally you know just getting ev- everyone around that area and surrounding areas get involved. Like, so if we come up with ideas for banners, pre, whether it's pre-match displays, you know, showing our support to the team, or, you know, it might be particular occasions, you know, I don't know, maybe anniversaries of the World Cup win in 1966, or it might be, it might be some something else. Or if a particular player has made a certain number of appearances, or, yeah. um, or, I've got so many caps, <laughs> you know, just various things to mark, Displays to mark various occasions as well, and just general banners, you know, just show a bit of support. I mean, we've had banners out before kickoff, uh, before games, you know, you know, to have pre-match displays uh, before matches, and then sort of during the matches, have a bit of atmosphere and people involved in, you know, vocally as well. Um, so it's a combination of uh, both efforts. So the, um,
1: the, I know the two banners you you mention above the the goal the three lines right. and the home of football yeah what frustrates me i mean they look fantastic but what frustrates me is they have to come down don't they
2: before yeah kick because off. obviously they're a bit well i mean because they can't have them hanging down the whole match because uh they'll block views or you know could because it, they're quite big so could
1: they not be made so that they could hang out all yeah all I, the mean, game?
2: I mean i going forward we want to create some permanent banners you know with various ideas um going across the stadium or maybe even like some going permanently at the you know back of the home end or elsewhere i mean going forward we want to do more of those obviously ones that are you know permanently there throughout the whole match rather than just coming down um so that's on our sort of agenda and plans as well but obviously we i guess we need more ideas going forward with people who are interested um it's still early days as i said yeah so if people want to, to get involved and, and have got
1: ideas, yeah. um, do you say you, you're on Twitter, are you?
2: Yes, if they just, you know, we're on Twitter at, at Block 109. If they give us a follow, you know, tweet us um, or message us, you know, and if they've got ideas to come forward, and we're we'll more than happy to get anyone involved who wants wants to be part of this.
1: Great stuff. Um, Canal. yeah, thank you very much.
2: You, yeah. you were out at the World Cup. Yep, I was there for all the matches, um, which was brilliant. Uh, just a shame we couldn't bring it home, but it it yeah. was brilliant. It was brilliant out there.
1: But it's that atmosphere
2: was great there.
1: It's got to be good going forward, though, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we saw how much that brought everyone together, not just us out in Russia, but everyone back home here as well. You could see everyone was, was together. And, you know, there was a buzz about the England football team. And hopefully that will kick on for the uh, games coming up in September going forward. And, you know, sort of everyone will be up for it again, you know. Because um, I know over the years, sometimes people have fallen out of love with international football. You know, we haven't had great tournaments uh, recently up till now. And, yeah, I think going forward, this is a positive. That, uh, and it hopefully it has a knock, uh, knock-on effect for all the games coming up, home and away.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Just think, going back to... Um... The, the initiative is it just a Wembley based um, thing um, well, or, or will we be going we be going on the road to Leicester afterwards?
2: Well, I mean, myself and uh, my friends who have sort of started this initiative, we're going you know to Leicester and you know mm. we were in Leeds for the uh, pre World Cup friendly as well. Initially, to start with Wembley with the home home games at Wembley, but obviously if we're going on the road like we are at Leicester or elsewhere potentially in the you know future away matches as well, where it's always great atmosphere anyway. But, you know, we want to go to sort of do all England matches, home or away, um, and whether it's at Wembley or on the road, you know, we want it to sp- spread to that as well. Um, but I think initially it's just sort of to get Wembley, you know, to get the atmosphere up at Wembley to, to start with, uh, with some of the home games and sort of build going fr- forward. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. Well, I'm going to scratch my brains. I'm going to maybe come up with something and uh, and get an idea across to you, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll see where brilliant. we can go from there. Um, but thank you very much for joining us. Yeah. Appreciate that. And uh, yeah, good luck with the initiative. And you can yeah, find them you. on yeah. Well, I'll put a a link to to your Twitter via ours as well.
2: Okay, brilliant. Ghanell, okay. thank
1: you very much for joining us. Thank you. Now we spoke with Rich Lafferty on the last podcast, following the Under Twenties World Cup and England, and I'm sure we'll get onto that very soon. But I'd like to introduce uh, Rich back onto the podcast. Rich, thanks for having me back on. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll we'll get onto the Under Twenties and just round that up in a moment. But Friday night, the Lionesses seniors. Uh, were in action in a rather big game that we we briefly mentioned on the last podcast, away in Wales. You were there? I was, yeah. Um, it was a really great occasion, great atmosphere.
4: Um, Wales played their part, but England deserved to win in the end. So it was the right result. Obviously devastating for Wales. They've still got half a chance of a playoff. They, they need a bit of a miracle, though, to be honest. Um they're just not there yet you know they've got some very good players but but England's quality you know shone through in the end
1: did shine through in the in the second half wasn't it because the first half there was a a couple of incidents that well not when um well they certainly didn't go unnoticed but they didn't they didn't count um, Nikita Paris scored but was then deemed offside and then Wales had a had a penalty disputed didn't they what what was your take on both of those
4: yeah Hard to see up in the uh, in the press box. Obviously, I've seen replays since. Even at the time, you know, Paris has got look offside from where we were sat, and I did actually see a replay on the the journalist's laptop next to me. She wasn't offside. You know, you could clearly tell. I don't really know what the lines woman was looking at. I mean, she flagged very late as well. You know, the celebrations had, had been going on for a few seconds before the flag went up. So. Yeah, I Phil think, Neville was in his element, wasn't he? Yeah, Phil, he was quite reserved, actually, when we did eventually score. But, yeah, for that one, he was he was kind of on the pitch. Um, yeah, the penalty, it looks a little bit dubious at the time, but I have seen it back, and I think I think Basley did get a little touch on the ball. She just knocked it on to, to Kayleigh Green's foot. And it went out for a goal kick, so a little unfortunate for Wales, but I don't think it was a penalty, personally.
1: Nice, no, so I agree, although it's kind of one of those ones that you've, you've seen given. Uh, second half is when, when it, as you say, England shone through. Tony Duggan got the first goal, didn't she? She's she's doing well over in Barcelona as well, I believe, isn't she? She is, yeah. I think it's been very good for her going out there. I'm not
4: going to pretend I've seen a lot of their games. Obviously, access to international women's football isn't um, quite what it is in the men's game. But um, She's actually been playing as a striker over there, whereas with England... She's kind of always on the left wing, but she she, struck, she showed her striker's instinct with that goal and, yeah, England kind of came out a different team second half. I mean, Phil Neville said he didn't say anything particularly special at half-time, he just told them to relax, but, you know, they came out probably about five minutes early um, for the second half, they did a warm-up on the pitch and you kind of just sense that kind of inner determination to, to start the second half a bit quicker and yeah, once they got one, you know, I think Wales' head dropped a little bit because even a draw wouldn't have really done much for them. They knew they needed two, and and
1: after that, England just took control. To be honest. So and then it was uh, Jill Scott got a got a looping header. That one just crept over the keeper, didn't she? And then Nikita Paris did get her her goal towards the end, didn't they? Three nil win um, for England, and that means that we're in the in the World Cup finals next year.
4: Yeah, I mean we should be, you know, one of the top ranked sides in the world, we should be at the World Cup, we've got a squad that is more than good enough to qualify for a World Cup and, and not being there would have been a disaster quite frankly but yeah, we're there and, and now um, the hard work starts, I think Phil's had a very good first six months but it's going to get harder now, you know, I mean his toughest test you know she believes we did well we beat a France side that was a bit in transition and and then drew with Germany and lost to the US we had the draw against Wales as well so you know there's been some question marks in bigger games we've got some friendlies coming up now against Brazil Australia Sweden Netherlands you know four really tough teams Australia one of the the top sides in the world right now Netherlands are European champions and if anything that's possibly going to tell us more about this team and, and Phil Neville as a manager, then the qualifiers
1: have to be fair. Okay. What do you think, I mean, obviously he's going to want to win it, but a realistic opinion from yourself. You watch a lot of the, the women's game. What would you say a realistic uh, objective is?
4: It's tough. But I, I don't know who's going into this tournament. I mean, obviously it's, it's still 10 months away, but <clears> I don't
1: really know who's going
4: in as favourites. I mean, you always look at the US because they just have a way of winning. I think England can win it. Certainly, but can and will are two very different things. And you know, you've got Germany, you've got France, as I said, you've got Australia, you've got Netherlands, you've, you've got Canada. It's very, very tough. I think. I think if England get to the semi-finals again, you look at it and say, "Well, okay, we still need to take that next step." But it's not been a disappointment. You know, I don't think you can ever quantify a semi-final as a disappointment. If it's any less than that, it would be disappointing. You know, if we don't get past the quarter-finals and, and any better than that. It's massive if we get to a World Cup final, so I think semi-finals now for a team like England has to be kind of part of the course. I think people would be disappointed if we went out in a quarter-final, and if we went out any earlier than that, then
1: I think there'd probably be some questions asked. Right, and obviously it's it's just across the water. Is this somewhere you fancy going, France, next year? Yeah, obviously I've just come back from there um, doing the under-20s, so... Yeah, I wouldn't mind them changing the base
4: a little bit so I can get around the country a bit more rather than uh, being in Rennes again, as as nice as it was. You know, it'd be nice to go somewhere else, but Rennes is one of the host cities. So, yeah, I'll definitely be out there. And then, obviously, after that, 2021, hopefully it might be us hosting the Euros. Um, It seems like we were the only bidders. So, as long as our bid is up to scratch, you know, football will be coming. We'll definitely be coming home in 2021, one way or another.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's all looking very positive for the women's side of things. Let's just just recap on the under twenties World Cup. Last time we spoke, uh, England had fallen at the the semi final hurdle, hadn't they? And and made it to the the third and fourth place. Let's go on, tell us what happened.
4: Well, they came on with the bronze medals, To put a, a, a long story short, obviously emulating what the first team did in Canada three years ago, and. You know, it's a great achievement. Some people say, again, you know, an England team not taking that final set, not getting to a final, but you know, this group, I think of the 18 that went to the Euros last year, 16, were in this squad and, you know, that was a squad that didn't even get through the group stages of the European Championships 12 months ago. So, to suddenly come third at a World Cup, you know, they I think they deserved it. Um, I didn't see all the game because I was out working at the time, but you know they all stepped up. They took the penalties, scored four out of five. But you know from what I saw out there and the determination they've got. You know they're all seventeen and eighteen. You know twenty tops, and you refer to them as girls. But you know the determination and the the character, the confidence they showed. You know they're far from it. You know in terms of their matureness and you know you can be confident and arrogant, but they weren't like that. You know it was. It was a genuine confidence there, you know, without going across to ourselves they have faith in each other, and uh, and yeah, you know, I'm I'm really really glad, to see them, you know, because from getting to know them and, and watching their games, it was the last.
1: cool, nice one. On. Well, I think the uh, the line at my end is is breaking up a bit. I don't know about at your end, um, but yeah, things looking good for the the England England women. What's what's the kind of timeline for the going back to the Lionesses? So if they got one more. Qualify to go, or, or are they? Is it now into sort of playoffs?
4: No, we've got one qualifier on Tuesday um, in Kazakhstan, but obviously that is now a dead rubber for England. Um, we've qualified; that's that. So, I think Neville has already said he's going to use Tuesday to give games to some of the the sort of. Members of his squad that haven't been getting too many minutes and some of the younger players that he's brought in, he's already said Gabby George and and Lucy Stanforth will make their debuts. On Tuesday, I'd expect to see Leah Williamson and Hannah Bundell and Rich Daly, Mel Lawley, all those kind of players, Beth Mead. Yeah, so it's kind of a bit of a training exercise, really. And then playoffs are in October and November. So we'll find out who gets through that. But for England, it will just be... Yeah, kind of sit back and, and get
1: some friendlies. Do we know when the, the draw is made for the World Cup? Yes. Yeah. I think it's December the 8th. Don't quote me on it, but I'm pretty certain it's December the 8th.
4: So um, that'll be in Paris. It could be a big week because on December the 3rd, they'll find out if their bid for the Euros in 2021 has been successful. So, yeah, I think that's on the Monday and then the draw's on the Friday. So it could be a big week for uh, women's football in England.
1: I see. Well, perhaps we can uh, perhaps we can speak again around then. Absolutely. All right. Well, Rich, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, if people want to connect with you online, you're open to that. Yeah, um,
4: I think a lot of people in women's football follow me already, but I'm on Rich J Laverty, which is always pretty easy to remember. It's my name with with the initial stuck in the middle, so I'm not hard to
1: find. All right. Well, as as before, we'll link to you, and uh, we can maybe die. Divert some people too if they want to find some more out. Rich, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can speak again and and hopefully a lot more next year. Yeah, there's always things to talk about in women's football. Great stuff. Look forward to it. Cheers, man. Thank you very Bye. much. There we have it, another fun-filled, action-packed Three Lions podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the games if you're going, if you're in the pub or in the comfort of your own home. I'm looking forward to hopefully three Nations League points at Wembley and to the delights of Leicester, having not been there before. Thank you to Fernando Campello for the Spain Angle, Oliver Seisiger for the Swiss Perspective and to Canal Sapat for the info on Block 109 and Rich Laverty for the latest Lionesses news. You can find links to all those guys on our Twitter feed. I'll make sure they're on there. Now you can find us. We're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and you can find us also at www.3lionspodcast.com. Now you know the deal. Like, subscribe, all the usual places. And also you can find us on Twitter at 3 Lions Podcast. Search the same on Facebook, you'll find us there. Again, thanks for listening and perhaps I'll catch you in the queue on Wembley Way after Spain. Cheers.